Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor is I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers will answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. How you doing, John? I'm all right, Hank. You know that uh, line from Rushmore, I ain't even here, Sergeant, oh, I'm God. in Cheyenne, Wyoming? Uh, Hank, you don't right. even have to have yeah, seen I think the movie I do. to get I, the reference, uh, uh, because huh? I, I, I previously referred to it on the podcast. The point is... Is this how we're gonna? Is this the? Is this now a continuation of the intro where I just say how you doing, John, and then you quote Rushmore? Like, is that our new? Is that a new bit? The point is doing? that I've been in Cheyenne, Wyoming, for far too long, and I've kind of lost my sense of self. But I can't leave Cheyenne, Wyoming, right now. And uh, yeah, how are you? I'm good. I want to tell you a little story about how I was eating a Cliff Bar one one Great. day, by which I mean yesterday, and walking down the stairs uh, onto my into my backyard so I could go out uh-huh. to my office. So walking down these stairs, there's like four or five stairs. I couldn't tell you how many stairs there are exactly. And I'm eating a Cliff Bar. And uh, and because I was preoccupied thinking about all of the interesting things in my life and also how great this Cliff Bar was, I I didn't know how many steps there were. And I thought I was done with the steps, but I wasn't. Right. And so right. I, uh, you know, about, let's say, a second and a half later was on my butt uh, having uh, not entirely sure about the situations regarding my ankles and hands, uh, but feeling okay. And then I look down in my hands, and I'm like, "Where's my Cliff Bar?" So I fell down this these stairs, and like, I think I'm okay. I got a little bit of pain in in my leg and wrist from catching myself, but my Cliff Bar, what? Where did it go? Do you know where it went, John? I don't. Um, and it better be good because the rest of the story has not been great so far. It was in my mouth. Oh, the whole thing just shot right into the mouth. <laughs> I just, I like quick, put it in my mouth while I was falling, bit down on it, held it real hard. And then I was like, where did it go? I can't find my cliff bar. And it that was, happens to me with my glasses all the time. Oh God. I have a very similar problem with my glasses. I'm sure at some point during this podcast, I'll be like, where's my phone? And it'll be like, oh, right. I'm on, I'm on the phone with my brother, John podcasting. Yeah. I've been, I, uh, when I'm under a lot of stress, I do that more often. Like 
Weirdly, when I'm stressed out, I become more obsessive about checking things, but I also become far more likely to lose them. Uh, so I'll become very obsessive about checking that I have my wallet, for instance, but I become infinitely more likely to lose my wallet. I find that there are very few upsides. Uh, you know how like people often think that uh, like portray uh, mental illness as having secret advantages? Yep. You know, like you can, oh, well, you make you. Yeah, that's what we want. We want that to be a thing where it's like, ah, but but we get something out of it at least. Right. Like the genius is close to madness and whatever. I, that has just not been my experience. My experience has been that it's just, it's just an unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, let's move on to questions from our listeners. This question comes from wait, Meredith. Wait, 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 wait. You didn't bring us a poem? I didn't bring you. I don't have a poem for today, Hank. I, 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 to be totally honest with you, I have been in Cheyenne, Wyoming for so long that I have, do not. Uh, I, I, did, I am not prepared for this podcast. I'm just going to level with you, Hank. Like I, I, this is not going. Okay. You're not about to experience well, my best work, and my best work at podcasting isn't even very good. I've got a short poem for for you here. Opaque, metallic, permanent ink. No shaking required to start. Quick drying, fade, and water resistant ink. Is that from the side of a Sharpie? It's from the back of a package of, of metallic Sharpies, yes, John. I spend a lot of time thinking about Sharpies these days. This question comes from Meredith, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I've recently begun the process of digitizing my wardrobe, meaning that I've been taking <laughs> pictures of every item of clothing I own, editing it, then uploading it to a special digital closet app. The only reason I'm doing this is because it is my ultimate dream to not have to get out of bed in the morning in order to pick out an outfit. However, the whole process is proving to be incredibly time-consuming. The irony of the situation has dawned on me. I'm putting in a bunch of work just so I can be lazy. My question is... Is, is it really laziness if you have to put in work to be lazy? Laziness has always been a part of my identity, and I feel as though I'm starting to lose my edge. Or maybe I'm moving a level up on the laziness ladder? I can't decide. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yours in questionable, ironic laziness, Meredith. Yeah, I think you're becoming next level lazy, which is fantastic. Uh, I, think, I think, you know, really good laziness... Like, if you're going to be the good kind of lazy, you should invest in future laziness. Knowing that you will want to stay in bed is a grit, is in like investing in that. Well, and particularly that staying in bed thing, which is so lovely to be able to do that and to like shave a little bit of time off of this like transition into, into being upright and cold, which is two unpleasant things. Uh, to to give yourself those five extra minutes. And, and also, like, I think there's a little bit of, like, you like spending time with your closet and doing this and being a little bit like you're in the movie Clueless. And uh, what a, yeah, like, you're, you're spending time doing a thing that you enjoy doing and also you're uh, allowing yourself to relax a little bit more. That's great. Yeah, I have an analogous experience with cataloging my home library. Hank, as you know, I've been cataloging my home library since 2007. I've never finished. Um, mm. But every time I have a spare couple of hours, I get on uh, my library app and I uh, catalog a few more books. And I'm ostensibly doing this so that I stop losing books. I find that I consistently lose the books that I most need at any given moment. I can find every book except for the one I need. And uh, so the idea is that I'm doing this so that like future me will never lose a book. But the reality is that I'm doing it because I like cataloging my home library. 
Mm-hmm. There's like uh, working so that you can live your best life rather than working so that you can work so that you can work so that you can work. And I understand, like, I definitely have a thing in me where, like, I want to, I like drive myself to work hard because I feel like I have an obligation to do, like, to do the things that I have the ability to do to, you know, employ people and to uh, create things that people are going to enjoy and uh, and you know, Project for Awesome, like, make the world a better place. But like. There's there there's also like I also have to counter that with some amount of like I am working so that I can like do the things that I want to do and that and that I like to do like spending time with my family and traveling and eating delicious pizza and laying in bed for five minutes longer than I otherwise could. I don't know why I'm working. <laughs> That's a- uh, I, I mean, you are about th- three years ahead of me in your like midlife crisis, and I am already pretty deep in it. So I can't imagine where you're at. I have no idea, honest, honestly, Hank. Like, <laughs> I have no idea why I work, and especially why the last few months I have been working so hard. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, is, Hank, I'm going to level is there with you. Some amount I, I, I want to underscore the fact that I'm not really here. I definitely have those moments when Catherine will ask me a question, and then it'll be like a solid 30 seconds before I'm able to answer. Because ha- I'm like... Yeah, I've been like that with my family uh, for like two and a half months. Oh, pretty man. Cons- pretty consecutively. I know, it's been very bad. It's been very bad. I, but at the, on the other hand, like this has been a very creatively productive time for me. And mm-hmm. in a way, like that's the only way I can do It's the only way I can do it. Like it's not, I find that like I can't really work part time um, uh, on most things. Like when I'm working on something, I, I, I tend to be pretty deeply involved in it. And it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to be able to like put stuff uh, down but then you know hopefully that also applies to when I'm not working like I'm you know present instead of being uh, like half there or whatever I feel like we're in fertile ground so I, I want uh, that is maybe pretty deeply unrelated to Meredith's question but I do want to continue and say that I have been like th- there is this thing about like about writing a book in particular I, and 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 like that, who that says ha- that I'm writing a book? Well, this is what I'm saying about me, not about you. Oh, okay. Um, that I like I um, you like I have to have my head live in the world. Yeah. A lot, or else yeah. I don't get good stuff out of it. And I've started yeah. I've just in the last couple of weeks started to like really apply myself to the sequel to the book that I haven't finished because uh, the the book itself is sort of in a like in between space where I can't. I shouldn't be working on it because it's people are looking at it who aren't me. Um, and so like, I would, I want to work a little bit on the sequel before I finish the book so that I like can set up the sequel. Well, and, um, and I will just be sitting there at dinner and like living in the world of the book and having no idea that my mind is in a space that like yeah. an inside of a physical reality. And I like, and I don't feel like I can get good creativity from this other world without having my like without having my mind all the way inside of it right that's i call that space cheyenne wyoming (laughs) um yeah yeah i agree i mean i think it's really difficult to 
uh, to get yourself out of that when you're in it. And also you kind of don't want to because mm-hmm. it's productive. It's a productive space. And for me, like it's a really uh, like exciting space in some ways because it's a, you know, it's a way out of, out of oneself. It's a moment where you don't feel like you're kind of like stuck inside of this self-shaped prison mm-hmm. and that's very appealing. But um, on the other hand, like it does after a while, I mean, this has been, this has been a while for me. Uh, you start to want to be able to like engage with the world. And uh, I, I guess for me, like, it's like if I'm there, I, I'm never really all the way like in this world. Like, I, mm-hmm. and I know a lot, I, I know we all have that experience of like you're in a conversation and you, one of the things you start to notice is like, it's totally possible to trick people. Like it's totally possible <laughs> to, to make people believe that, that, that you're really there. And you're like, Oh my God, like 99% of my social interactions are so incredibly superficial that, that people don't know that I'm not here. Um, and I and and I would have no way of knowing if they weren't here or if they're not here. But yeah, I think so. For for several of the last months, uh, or much of the last few months, my that has been the case for me. And um, and it's nice in some ways, and and in other ways, I'm I'm looking forward to it uh, ending, which hopefully it will soon. I mean, the other thing is that I never quite know when it's over, right? Like. Uh, it, it, whenever you're working on something you you never know when you're able to let it go like i'm always fascinated by people like visual artists who make lots of artwork and you know they make more than like one painting every three or four years which is my rate of production like how on earth do they know that they're finished you know i mean how on earth when you're making an uh, an abstract painting do you look at it and you're like uh-huh. done i just don't like <laughs> I, I admire the I admire that ability to uh, to talk about the moment you're finished. Are we still talking about a, uh, digitizing your wardrobe? I don't um, think so, but I think that we I think that we got to the root of Meredith's question, and and I want to okay. ask a question that's going to bring you all the way into this world with something that you Great. are very passionate about. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna be here for this one. It's from Sarah who asks, "Dear Hank and John, I live in Germany." but I will be traveling to the U.S. in a few weeks. Is there anything that I have to eat or drink while I am there? I've already put Diet Dr. Pepper on my list since that's something I have never seen in a German store. Any other suggestions? Vivere disque sed quagitamori, Sarah. I looked that one up. It says, remember to live, or uh, uh, learn to live, but remember death. Mm, thanks, Sarah. I needed that. Um <laughs> First off, I've just found out, Hank, that I can't move to Germany. I, I wanted to uh, because it seems like a great country. Uh, Hank and I are fascinated by the German way of doing business. What's it called, Hank? The, the Mittelstadt. The Mittelstadt. Or Mittelstadt All Hank or and I want to like do when we grow up is run a Mittelstadt. But um, I can't move there because there's no, there's no regular access to Diet Dr. Pepper. It might as well be the frickin' moon. Um... <laughs> Yeah, what? Well, I don't know. What do you eat in America that you can't eat elsewhere? I feel like we've done a really good job of exporting our terrible diets. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, so first of all, America has like every flavor of chip. Um, we don't. We do, there's definitely flavors of chip that you can you can't get in America. There's not doesn't doesn't tend to be ketchup chips here, which are in other places. Um, paprika yeah. Pringles are my very favorite kind of Pringle, and you can't get them in America. But 
we have so many flavors of chips. We are really into chips, guys. Like we have the like the 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 weird like like indie brands like Tim's with like the and you got like the sweet Maui onion from the Hawaiian chip people, and you got the got like weird. Uh, they also make like a spicy barbecue one and you've got to eat barbecue chips. So basically you got to go to a grocery store and just buy the chip flavors you don't recognize. Also, you're going to want to have a corn dog. Also, you're going to want to have biscuits and gravy. Also, you're going to want to have corn fried steak. Corn fried steak? That's weird. Corn, chicken fried steak. Chick, chicken fried steak with gravy. Right. Uh, I mean, just to be fair, in general, chicken fried steak is also a weird idea if you're <laughs> not American. Yeah, uh, but in, uh, I don't know. Do they have sausage gravy in other countries? Because I don't think I've ever seen it. And I feel I like know. you just the one thing that they definitely don't do as well in other countries as they do in the United States is barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're going to want to have, if you eat meat, I think you're going to want to have some nice pulled pork barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing, so I, I I actually have spent a fair amount of time in Berlin, and uh, I don't know if Sarah's from Berlin, but I thought they had all of the major foods, except apparently Diet Dr. Pepper and barbecue. <laughs> so that's, also I wanted to say that when Hank says chips, he is referring to the item that in the rest of the world, I believe, is called crisps. Yes, that is correct. I'm talking about American chips, the way chips should have always been, because they're shaped. But then it's not just, of course, if you're visiting the United States, you're not just there to uh, to eat and drink. You're also there to have experiences. And I guess the main experience that I would recommend, Sarah, is if you can get an injury or an illness, nothing serious, nothing life-threatening, because what... If you, when you come to America, what you really want to experience is our healthcare system, um, and, and I think it would be very interesting for you to just maybe like sprained ankle, something like that, and just get get a feel for it, get a feel for the expense, get a feel for the efficiency with which everything is done, and then go back to Germany, just crazy jealous of how well we do healthcare. <laughs> Just, just be deeply amazed. Um, don't hurt yourself. I t- I disagree with John. I've just looked up the etymology of the word chip, John, because I feel very defensive of. Um, Actually, yeah, Sarah, do whatever you can not to have to go to the doctor. Do not go to the doctor. Just the act of going to the doctor is like 120 bucks. Um, so chip comes, of course, from chipping something off of something else, like like chipping chipping yeah. like stone off of a stone. A chip off the old block, as they say. Uh, it, I feel like if you're going to take a potato and you're going to chip something off of it, it's going to be more like a potato chip in America than it's going to be like a, a chip in the UK where it's this like like clearly a, a, a sliced, uh, diced thing where it's the, like the long square rectangle thing. I think... Yeah, I mean, I like... I. I'm not going to want to fight and die on this particular hill. Well, I will. So anybody, just come I at want me. A yes, I want to yes and you, but I literally can't <laughs> figure out how to. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Well, and also when I look like a computer chip, I got to say that looks more like a potato chip in America than, than a chip in, in Europe. God, all this talk about a delicious American food is making me hungry. Um do we have any like fruits and vegetables we can recommend? I feel like we must have some. Uh, are there like special American vegetables? Do, do mang- are, there, are there mangoes in Germany? It's been a while since I've been there. If you don't have fresh fruit in Germany, Sarah, and again, I, I'm not 
totally sure about this, but if you don't have fresh fruit, we do have fresh fruit in America. We have a bunch of different kinds. We have blueberries, <laughs> raspberries, mangoes. Sometimes we get papayas, not that often in Indiana, but sometimes. Uh, so try out some fresh fruit. I don't, maybe it's only freeze-dried in also, Germany. You could have some green asparagus, because I hear in other countries asparagus is white, and that's weird. So have it our way and be like, oh, that has different flavor. You know, we're growing purple asparagus in our uh, in our home garden. Well, why didn't you start start out telling me that story instead of being like, I'm in Cheyenne, Wyoming, Rushmore is great, and you're terrible. I didn't say you were terrible. It's I th do think it's weird that you haven't rewatched Rushmore when it's clearly one of the best movies ever made. Let's move on to this question from Natalie, who writes, uh, is it toothbrush water and then toothpaste, or is it toothbrush, toothpaste, and then water i've been having this debate tooth, actually with my seven-year-old child tooth, tooth toothbrush water toothpaste tooth i do toothbrush toothpaste water uh unfortunately that's incorrect <laughs> but then the then the toothpaste doesn't get any water on it oh no 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 yeah that that would also be an issue because the correct uh order is toothbrush water toothpaste water and you have to remember oh, to turn God. off the water between each of those things, which is the debate that I'm currently having uh, with Henry. Mm -hmm. Henry's a big believer that you turn the water on and then you leave it on until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we could, we, we could, we could, uh, does Uncle Hank need to give a lesson in environmental sustainability? Well, I mean, well, I was kind of having this debate with Henry about, you know, like what amounts to a couple of cups of water. And then he reminded me that uh, I recently taught him that the water that comes out of our sprinklers is the same as the water that uh, he drinks. And he just thought that was ludicrous. He was like, but why would you pour that water on grass? And I was like, yeah, no, you're not wrong, but you still, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> waste is waste. I I don't know. I'm at, Henry is getting to that age now, Hank, where... Uh, he can kind of successfully debate me, you know, like where occasionally he wins. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, you're right. We're just dumping that onto the literal ground. So maybe, maybe you can just leave the water running. Fine, child. Oh, yeah. man, that's, yeah. that's something. Right now, my son can debate me in exclusively one way by punching me in the face and ripping my glasses off, which he does irregularly I feel like I feel like he doesn't punch you in the face when he's angry like he doesn't know about punching to be angry he thinks it's cute or something I don't know what do what do seven months olds actually think about he like, definitely is thinking about something like if we take him to a new place you can't get him to interact with any person because he's like what is all of this what is this room what are these shapes what are right. what is this what is right. this movement what is that color um and it, which is great to just like watch right. his like little brow furrow up and be like, hmm, I'm, I'm, this is all very new. I'm not so sure about it. This is a this is a room I haven't been in before. Is that's is that a good baby voice? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good baby voice. That sounded just like um, Alec Baldwin in Boss Baby. <laughs> is Boss Baby a movie? You didn't see the movie Boss Baby? Uh, turns out no. Is it as good as Rushmore? No, it is not. It is not as good as Rushmore. Um, however, I am friends with the author of the book, Boss Baby, and the book is amazing. Have you read the book at least? No. 
No, John. All right. So the book. Well, I mean, you would read it with your with your tiny little baby. Oh, I don't know if you're, okay. I don't know I if gotcha. you and Orn are reading books yet, but I'll send you the board was, book version. It is I was a, thinking of like a like a like a six hundred word novel, Boss Baby. And they're gonna oh, have no, to get no, it on no. Audible. It's, like, it, it's a lovely picture book, <laughs> and it is okay. hilarious. Um, it's like uh, it basically imagines that you know, like a a a baby. Uh, in their role as like the boss of the uh, of the family, it's very mm-hmm. it's very freaking mm-hmm. cute. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I uh, we still read Boss Baby in our family sometimes. It's uh, it, it's one of the very few books that you will find on Amazon uh, that is an average rating of five full stars. Mm. Wow, that is not easy to to accomplish. Yeah. So. Um, uh, the author's name is Marla Frazee, and she is also really, really uh, just a great, great person and a great author of children's books. She wrote another one of my favorite yeah. picture books um, about James and Eamon. What is that book called? Two, a Couple of Boys Have the Best Week Ever or something like that. I'm going to look it up. At, at what point do I remind John that he's literally been talking about Boss Baby for like two minutes Sorry. only because I made a voice that sounded like a voice to him. It is called A Couple of Boys Have the Best Week Ever. We could move on. <laughs> what was the question? Sorry, I suddenly got engaged with the world. I was very excited. I don't, I don't even remember why. It's a, to- it's a tooth- toothbrush, toothpaste, water, or toothbrush, water, then toothpaste. Yeah, we don't know. I think that, I think that you're going to be okay either way. Sometimes, you know, John, honestly, I'll do tooth, tooth, uh, tooth, toothbrush. No, wait. Toothbrush, toothpaste, and then mouth. Yeah, and that's not that's not that bad of an outcome, actually. There's like that first like first like four seconds where it's like there's not enough water in my mouth, but then your mouth has a magical ability to produce water, and then you have it in your mouth. This question comes from Rachel, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, do you think Lin Manuel Miranda ever listens to Hamilton just for funsies? Does Michael Jordan watch Space Jam every now and again? Hank, do you ever listen to your own music? John, do you ever reread your own books just because you like them? I must know your obedient servant, Rachel. Uh, I like this question mostly because it imagines that just as uh, Hamilton is the most important work Lin Manuel Miranda has ever done. Space Jam is the most important work Michael Jordan has ever done. Like, oh, Michael Jordan, what do you when you're looking at, back at your career? What do you look at? Well, mostly Space Jam. Not so much being arguably the best NBA player of all time. I never watched that game where, with 104 degree fever, I scored like 60 points in the NBA playoff finals. That's mostly I just rewatched Space Jam. Um, no, I do not reread my own books. That uh, I mean, I, 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 I read and reread them plenty before they come out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to reread them after they come out, especially because I think I'll just see things that I want to change. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I sing my own songs all the time. Um, I sing your songs all the time, too, actually. But that was not the question. It's do I listen to my own music? And yes, I also do that. There's this great thing about listening to your own music, which is that like... When I'm listening to like a Billy Joel song, I try to sound like Billy Joel. And when I'm listening to like a Queen song, I try to sound like Freddie Mercury. But when I'm listening to a Hank Green song, I sound exactly like that guy. I don't even have to try. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I sing your songs more than I like listen to them on Spotify. 
uh, because right. they're all inside of my head from all those times touring together. What te- what tends to happen to me is it will like like my phone will automatically connect to the Bluetooth in my car, and for whatever reason, it's like you know instead of playing for you the audiobook you were listening to five minutes ago, here's a random selection from the things on your phone, and it'll be like Mbop by Hanson or like Demolition Derby, one of the songs that I never think about that I wrote, and I'll be like, oh. I would have done this a little bit different, but it's pretty good. And then I'll sing along. Demolition. Well, that's not even me. That's a different guy singing that part. I don't know. I picked, but I picked that. <laughs> um. Do you uh, do you ever rewatch old Vlogbrothers videos and oh, think yeah. like, God, I used to be great at this? <laughs> yes. 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 And uh, like. Like, and I'm sure that I will do that two years from now. I watch stuff that I made this year and be like, wow, I really, I was really like, like above and beyond back then. Uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. when I meet people at like a grocery store or whatever, and they're like, I used to watch your YouTube videos. I think to myself, like, and I can't really blame them. My YouTube videos used to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like, I will, I, I'm really proud of some of the stuff we've done in the last 12 months, but like going back and seeing something I did six years ago that I worked really hard on, there's something very different about that because I like forget, I forget about how hard I work on videos. And then I'll watch this thing and I'll be like, wow, that was like a significant amount of like thought and time that went into that. I mean, some like occasionally I'll like, I'll watch a video and be like, I did visual effects for that. Like, like there's like three videos that I've ever done that I've had some component of like superimposing something onto a screen or, mm-hmm. you know, like doing kinetic typography or something. And I'm just like, whoa, I, I opened After Effects. That never happens. Yeah, I've never done that. So that sounds like you'd feel good about yourself, but I don't know what that feels like, and I never will. Um, I don't have the talent for it. I have to say, I also go back and watch old Vlogbrothers videos and often think like, well, that wasn't very good. Right, of course, yes. That is the thing, that I will often go back and watch the ones I'm most proud of, and then I'll be like, I used to be so good at this, but I'm not watching the ones from like 2008 where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why are we still doing this? There are a lot of them that were not very good. Um, even the ones, uh, there's a lot from any year that yeah. are not very good. Like that's uh, one of the, one of the things I really appreciate about our, uh, our audience, our community yeah. and the fact <laughs> that we've been able to have an audience for a long time is that they're very forgiving. Like, you know, people tend not to walk away after one bad video, which is good. Cause if they did, everyone would have walked away a long time ago. <laughs> I don't have very many that I'm not like that, that I'm like not proud of. There are some. But there's definitely like a a large body of middle mediocre. I feel like you've made some clunkers. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I just think that the the tail is like it, it shrinks there at the end, where there's like there's like five videos I wish I hadn't uploaded at all. You know? Mm, yeah, for me that is much closer to a hundred. <laughs> oh man, this video of a bunch of YouTubers laughing without smiling—that's good stuff. Uh, I went, yeah. to, went to Los are you, Angeles. Wait, are you I, going through your old catalog right now? I am. I'm doing oh, it man. right now. I mean, I might be in Cheyenne, Wyoming, but at least I'm not like Googling my own name while potting. <laughs> this one's really good where Nathan Zed took over. Yes, uh, Nathan really proud Zed, of that one. Uh, uh, still the best <laughs> vlog, brother. 
<laughs> like the, I would argue, oh, like man. the five best vlog brothers are all uh, people other than us who've taken over during paternity leave. If anything, maybe we should just hand over the channel at some point. And just say, like, <laughs> well, we did our best, but it turns out that like this isn't really where our talents lie. Uh, so we're just gonna let Nathan Zed and Sabrina Cruz take it from here. <laughs> Like, look, it's not about us. It's about a way of looking at the world. Other people have that. See you later. I'm gonna go hang out with my child. All right, Hank, we got another question. We're just gonna we're just gonna pod. We're gonna pod from now on. Oh God, I I like hanging out with you on podcasts, John. And I like this. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I could do that every single morning. And then I'm like, but that's an that's five hours a week I do not have. Not only that, um, I don't think anyone could tolerate listening to us that much. <laughs> right. I'm sure that there are going to be a bunch of people who are like, I would totally do it. And it's like, you no, don't know. You don't, you don't know, know what it would actually really. be like. You, you yeah. don't know. That's too much. It's too much. Uh, but the question, the, an- the answer to the question, does Lin-Manuel Miranda ever listen to Hamilton has to be yes. I mean, he's human like the rest of us, right? I mean, <laughs> if, any, if any of the How rest of us had, had, had created Hamilton, like we would... Uh, like it would be the infinite jest for me. I would spend the rest of my life listening to it. As it is, I'm I, I spend much of my life listening to it already. All right, Hank, we have another question. Uh, this one comes from Tamby, who writes, Dear John and Hank, for almost a year, I've been planning a trip to California for VidCon for my senior trip. I found out that I have the opportunity to meet you guys on Thursday for the meet and greet, and I'm going to low-key die. Oh, God. <laughs> That's going to be it's really... one of my greatest fears, actually, <laughs> is yeah. that someone will die while meeting me. <laughs> and just the stress of that... Obviously, I don't want to make that about me. That's going to be a bigger <laughs> deal for you, Tamby. <laughs> And the people who love you, and I don't want to make myself the center of that narrative, but it's hard for me not to just because, like, it's... Uh, you live inside of your own body. I mean, I find... Don't I, I, I find I find these signings stressful enough without people low-key dying. Okay. <laughs> don't low-key die, Tambi. It's going to be okay. And also, now we have something to talk about. You could be, like, I'm the person who asked that question <laughs> on the pod. First of all, I don't know what to have you guys sign. Uh, anything other than skin works mm-hmm. in answer to that question. But also, ever since I've told people I get to meet you two, they ask me if I can get something signed for them. But I know I'm only supposed to have one thing signed, and I kind of want it to be something of mine. How do I nicely say no? Excitedly conflicted, Tamby. Mm. Mm. Is there something not nice about saying just no? Yeah, I feel like you just have to say no. Like, I, I think actually you can probably get two things signed if you're uh, quick about it and cool about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just say like, listen, I'm the one traveling to VidCon and too bad. Life is full of disappointments. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the one. Uh, that, hey, life isn't fair. <laughs> no, I, the that's other what you thing want to say to is, Tambi, <laughs> I have worked extremely hard to try to kill the market for my signature. There are more signed copies of The Fault in Our Stars available than there are unsigned copies. If somebody wants my signature, they could go to eBay and pay literally $2 for a signed copy of The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. I'm really trying to kill uh, the market for my signature, Hank. I it is it is it is dead, John. I mean, it's, it is dead until you're dead. Like they, like maybe maybe like fifty years after you're dead, there will be some kind of weird secondary market. Nope. One of the things, like I know a, a sort of surprising amount about th- things signed by you, and I do kind of have this this brain thing that says like someday, like 
a signature by John that is like has like a like a double scribble instead of a single scribble because you messed up. It's gonna be like people are gonna think that that's like rare and pay extra for it. I, you know, what I don't think that's true is because I don't think that there's some like future where my signature suddenly becomes a big thing to have. You know, right? I, like that—that's the thing. You are going to become like you're not gonna become more famous after death. No, you're not gonna be like no offense. No, none taken. That's. <laughs> no, you know whose uh, signature uh, yeah. I, I I still have and like was such a big deal to me when I got it was the lead singer of the rap group Onyx. His name's Sticky Fingers. He was on a plane yep. with us once and I got an yep. autograph from him. And I remember thinking it was really cool. And it still is really cool to me, by the way. Like it's still like a valuable uh, thing to me. But like there is no way that in 50 or 100 years that's going to be like a sought after signature. And I think, I hope people <laughs> who acquire signatures really from either Green Brother understand that it's, you know, like we're not going to be upset if you uh, part ways with that uh, with that signed book down the road or, or that signed ukulele or whatever it is. Like, we get it. We get it. It has value uh, in that you give it value. Yeah, exactly. This question is not a question. It comes from Kyra. John, you weren't here for, okay. for what this is in reference to, but other listeners probably were. Dear Hank and John, um, when I heard the question uh, from the anonymous homeschooler who had been poorly homeschooled, I initially wondered if maybe it had been written by me six years ago and I had somehow not remembered, uh, but then I remembered that the pod was not around six years ago. I was also very poorly homeschooled. My mother stopped attempting to teach me when I was around 13. I also never took a real history or science class because I was religiously homeschooled. I am now 23 and pursuing my master's degree. I want to offer a little bit of hope to this homeschooler and to others in similar situations. I was lucky enough to go to a community college when I was 17, and there I found many professors who understood when I explained that I had had a poor education and were willing to help me learn. Additionally, Crash Course has been a great resource for me to help fill some of the gaps. There is hope. We can be taught Kyra. That's just a really nice uh, message that I liked and... Uh, and Kyra also asked if maybe I could be, she could be put in touch with the anonymous homeschooler, which I think we might try and do. Um, I also had another update on the story of the girl who was born on the plane, John. Yes. So we had had we had a long conversation about this about like like how this mother went into labor on the plane and they couldn't get the plane to the ground fast enough that the baby was born on the plane. Correct. It was a Piper Seneca uh, C or something. Yes, correct. Yeah. And that it didn't make any sense because it doesn't have a very long range. Like like right. there's you're going to be within an hour of your airport every time. Right. So if you go into labor, turn around, you can't have a baby in an hour. Like it's maybe it's happened, but it is unlikely. So he I was talking to a person who is an expert in childbirth. She's a midwife, has been for a long time and she she was like I was listening to the pod and you know what happened, right? And I was like, no, I don't know what happened. It seems very strange to me. Was it like the air pressure pushed the baby out? And she uh, laughed at me and said, uh, no, it was a medical transport. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So she's, she's in like rural Alaska yeah. or something. And they're yeah. like, we need to get you on a plane to get you to the hospital because mm -hmm. you're about to have this baby. You are currently in labor. Yeah. Uh, I see. 
Yeah. It wasn't like so they were my I was kind of picturing that they were like, you know, on their way to a vacation or something like the just the pre baby vacation that one takes mm-hmm. um, where you fly in a, in, a, in a small airplane, in a small airplane to us, you know, Lake Tahoe. I don't know. And that but that makes much more sense. That's OK. So now we know half the story. Uh, I would argue that we still don't know the half of the story. Uh, and then I guess, no, we actually, we do know the other half of the story because the other half of the story is that the tail number um, mm-hmm. is not necessarily uh, associated with the same with the aircraft same that crashed. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just want to say one other thing um, in response in, in, in response to uh, previous pods, which is that uh, Abby wrote in to say, Dear John and Hank, I just wanted to share that the saddest big bird is in the Sesame Street movie entitled Follow That Bird, in which Big Bird is sent to live with a family of other birds, runs away, and is captured by two guys who put him in the circus. It made me cry as a child, but will always <laughs> oh hold a special God. place in my heart. Just thought you guys should know Childhood and Sadness Abby, which I wanted to read because... I watched uh, Follow That Bird with Henry when he was like three or four. And Henry was like, what the hell are you doing to me? And I was also like, I'm sorry, I did not know what we were getting into. I thought that this was going to be like the other Big Bird movie that we'd seen, um, which was called Big Bird Comes Home. And Henry, the whole time during Big Bird Comes Home, was like, this is horrible. And I was like, Henry, don't worry. The movie's called Big Bird Comes Home. He's going to get home. (laughs) But then when we were watching Follow That Bird, I was like, you know what? Maybe this time Big Bird isn't coming home. Maybe he's going to be in the circus forever. Like, this is pretty dark, actually. I mean, Big Bird spends a fair amount of time being sad, but I I also have to say, and I don't want to say this because it's going to be hard for me to say it without crying, and I'm going to make other people cry, okay. but saddest Big Bird is 100% Big Bird's processional at Jim Henson's funeral, oh, which God. is a thing that happened, I and know. it is oh. emotionally wrecking. True. Like, oh. that is the saddest <laughs> so this Big podcast Bird. is brought to you by saddest Big Bird. Very sad. The saddest Big Bird, the saddest thing. So sad. Really, really sad. This podcast is also brought to you by Next Level Laziness. Next Level Laziness, the future. Yes, the future. And this podcast is additionally brought to you by Infinite Water. Just leave your taps on. And finally, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Hank's Music. Hank's huh. Music, listened to by Hank. <laughs> and available at dftba.com. Or available on Spotify. I mean, why would you purchase it's not, something? It's you... not 100% available on Spotify. Oh. And you want to know why, John? Why? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> it takes it takes extra work. I'm sure it does. So listen, your toilet is massively gross. Like, it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet. Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank. 
for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dear Hank to get 15% off. Um, Hank, you know how everybody uh, always talks about like which uh, member of the uh, Winnie the Pooh crew you are? Like everybody's everybody's personality is similar to one or the other of Winnie the Pooh characters. I'm always called an Eeyore, I think unfairly. Uh, for the record, like I, I think that it's a bit of an oversimplification to call me uh, sort of merely Eeyore-ish. And I get very defensive about it because because I feel like I, I feel like Eeyore gets a bad rap in the in the Winnie the Pooh stories. Like you never see the kind of upsides of being an Eeyore, uh, of which I would argue there are many. Uh, anyway, I was just going to say that in the world of Sesame Street, if we're going to like give everybody a Sesame Street character, I would say that you are very much uh, an Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll take it. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm a Grover myself. Yeah, I think Elmo and Grover get it, like are a good team, too. I agree. So I, I think that that's good. Yeah. Yeah, let's get rid of this Winnie the Pooh stuff and just talk about what Sesame Street character you are. That's way more interesting. Well, I, I have a really hard time figuring out what Winnie the Pooh crew member I would be. Like, I don't. I don't really have it. Uh, like maybe maybe the maybe the owl guy because I'm pretty pretentious and uh, obsessed with my own intelligence. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, only only owls think that they're owls. <laughs> <laughs> with that noted, let's move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Hank, what is the news from Mars this week? Uh, it's bad news, John. It's always bad, bad news Mars lately. News. Um, is Donald Trump not gonna not gonna get to Mars by 2024? <laughs> oh, he does say things. So the bad news is, John, when you shoot a cell with an alpha particle, it uh, it has a chance of mutating and becoming cancerous, and that is the model through which we estimated how likely it would be for astronauts to get cancer on their way to and while inhabiting Mars, uh, being hit by cosmic rays from the sun or cosmic rays from the cosmos. Um, and uh, the, um, and the, so that that's like a sort of accepted model, but it turns out, and we've known this for some time, that in fact, if an alpha particle hits one cell, the chance of cancer, not just in that cell, but in the cells surrounding that cell goes up. And we uh, have some ideas about the mechanism of, of how this might be. It's sort of like it creates chemicals that leave that cell and there's a sort of a bystander cell effect so there is a higher than uh one would expect chance of getting cancer every time you are hit by an alpha particle um or in any higher energy particle has this sort of same effect and so nasa recently took this into account or a study put took this into account and uh and said that nasa's uh radiation uh, guesses are based on an inaccurate model and they say that if you take the more accurate model that includes bystander cells that might become cancerous even though they weren't hit by a uh, high energy particle that the chance of getting cancer on your trip to uh, Mars while you're on Mars and your trip back doubles doubles from if you just stayed on Earth? No, doubles from if you didn't if you uh Oh, if you didn't take into account yeah. that effect. Yeah, doubles from our previous estimates. But it was already higher than if you just stayed on Earth. Oh, yeah. yeah. And but I'm, now it's higher than it's that. Higher, it's higher than we thought. It is higher than higher. 
Um, is there a sense of how high it is? Uh, yes, I don't know exactly what that is, though. Um, okay. In general, like, your chance of death from a mission to Mars mm-hmm. uh, is much higher from accident than from cancer. Uh, and also, the cancer will come later. So that's something. Astronauts are already risking their lives in tremendous ways, but um, uh, but I- especially if you consider uh, a long-term kind of like like program of going to Mars regularly or people inhabiting Mars, there have to there has to be solutions for the cosmic ray problem, and we've got some ideas. Um, but uh, they are at the moment just ideas. And you, like, you can, is there any way we could just? I, I would I would advocate for curing cancer. Sure, that's one. Uh, just just uh, cure every type of cancer. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I also am pro that. Interestingly, um, that is not easy to do. <laughs> of course, yeah, no, I know. I, yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that that issue. It seems like there's a lot of parts of going to Mars that are hard, um, and uh, I, for one, am glad to be right here on Earth with our sweet, sweet atmosphere. Uh, speaking of Earth, uh, it is home to the greatest third-tier English soccer team the world has ever known, AFC Wimbledon. Well, Hank, the news from AFC Wimbledon uh, is, as you know, we lost our goalkeeper, James Shea. He was released at the end of the season. Uh, there's a 16-year-old goalkeeper uh, on, on Wimbledon's squad at the moment, Joe Bursick, but he as well looks to be moving on. It looks like well, he might join well. Crystal Palace, a Premier League side. I don't think he'll be playing for their first team to start, but uh, very exciting for him. I mean, you always want to go yeah, to the how Premier many, League. How many 16-year-olds are there in the Premier League or just in soccer in general? Like that... That seems very there young. Are a lot. Like it's any sixteen-year-old who plays soccer could be on a Premier League youth squad. But yeah, it's it, okay. He's very. He's a very promising prospect. And AFC Wimbledon have done a great job developing goalkeepers in general. Also, Tom Elliott is moving on. Uh, it would appear probably to second-tier Millwall. So that's great for him. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get a uh, we don't get any kind of uh, transfer fee for that because he will be out of contract at the end of the month. So. Um, he, there's no like financial benefit to right, AFC right. Wimbledon. That means that we don't have a goalkeeper and we have one fewer strikers, which is not, it's not like an ideal situation, but uh, Neil Ardley has shown an ability to bring in great players. And I just, uh, I'm going to, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that we've got some people coming in. Oof. I mean, uh, are, are you guys in a better financial situation? Cause you're in the, in the better tier or be, have you gotten some money for all these players that you're sending off? Uh, yeah. The, if if Joe Bursick leaves, I think there will be a significant transfer fee. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's part of, yes, the short answer is yes. Um, and and the, the club is in a better financial position from what I understand. But it's, al- it's always going to be one of the, I mean, it's definitely still one of the smallest clubs in League One. And uh, so that, that comes with a lot of challenges. But uh, never bet against AFC Wimbledon. If I've learned anything mm-hmm. uh, these last few years, it's that. So hopefully uh, hopefully it'll all work out. I'll tell you what, Hank, we could get into the Premier League for a tenth of what it would cost to get to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully less than that. <laughs> yeah, actually, probably. Probably less than that. I think that would be an interesting uh, proposition for NASA, though. Just be like, listen, guys, this Mars stuff, it's very complicated. It's its going to be extremely challenging. Why don't you just take 10% of your Mars budget and toss it right into AFC Wimbledon and see if some magic happens? <laughs> I mean, that is a certain kind of magic, John. 
All right, Hank, what did we learn today? We learned that barbecue is the great American flavor. It's true. It's true. We learned that John wasn't really here most of the pod. We learned that Boss Baby is a really great movie, almost uh, better than Rushmore. No, I did. I, the book. The book is good. Everybody buy the book. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, we learned that Michael Jordan's most important work is Space Jam. <laughs> of course, of course it is. Uh, congratulations to Michael Jordan on his great work on Space Jam, by the way. Um, and also to, to Alec Baldwin on his great work on Boss Baby, which I'm sure he looks back on his most as his most important work as well. This podcast... Yep. It's produced by Rosiana Hall, Rojas, and Sheridan Gibson. It's edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Our social media manager is Victoria Bongiorno. Oh, our music is by the great Gunnarola. Uh, you you, you can take over, John. follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn or on Twitter at Hank Green or John Green. Thanks to everybody for listening, Hanks. Thanks for potting with me. And as we say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. Be awesome.